welcome everyone throughout time and space for this new episode of Weebs on the Weekends, the podcast where we break down the anime news highlights of the week and give a retrospective look on an anime that premiered 10 years ago. Today's episode will cover the winners for the 2022 Crunchyroll Awards in lieu of the news for the second week of February 2022. Yes, this is the second week of February 2022, part two. Because I had misspoken last time. So we're doing a part two of February week part two. So also this episode, we will give our thoughts on whether to resurrect or rebury the 2012 anime franchise, Suritama. My name is Sam Martinez, and I'm a part-time weeb, full-time automail mechanic. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Jay Johnson, who is a part-time weeb and a full-time English language sensei. Now, sensei... I know this entire week has been... I, I, I don't know if uh, the groundhog saw his shadow or not, but it seems like we are still in the midst of winter here, mainly because of the Winter Olympics that's been going on. And I have saw that with the states, we haven't been performing as high as we wanted to. And it's got me thinking, over there in Mongolia, you've mentioned how you guys would do ice fishing, how you guys would ride elk or reindeer. And I was just thinking if you guys had anybody with any skin in the Olympic Games or if you have anything similar to a log cutting competition uh, over there in Mongolia since the winter season seems to be a long uh, and a very predominant one uh, in that country. Right, because you look at like winter sports and they're usually dominated by countries that have, you know, winters. <laughs> you know, you look at the yes. United States and you go, you have uh, athletes that have to go up north to train, even if they're in like the southern states. But yeah, for Mongolia, especially with the Olympics, that Mongolian wrestling is very close to the same combat skills used in judo. So there was a Mongolian oh. wrestler that I believe he took bronze in the Olympics. So that was definitely a highlight for uh, this time of year for the Olympics. But for the winter sports, I'm actually unaware if there's any Mongolian athletes competing, even though I know there's a lot, like you said, there's like most of the year, usually from, I would say September to March, you would consider winter for Mongolia. And even, yeah, it was odd that very much I was disturbed in my sleep this week because for one, it was our first week of school back, but also Mm. for like Monday through Wednesday, it was positive 20 degrees. And then overnight on Thursday, it dropped to negative 20. So over the course of like 12 hours, it dropped 40 degrees. Oh, so you got both 20s these weeks. Yeah, exactly. So even for those first days, I was like, oh, positive 20? Yeah, I'm going to wear a jacket and like a light jacket and <laughs> just have my cap on, no scarf and no gloves. And I was like, oh, this is pleasant. Hopefully global warming is working. But no, like <laughs> just a day later, it was negative 20. And I was like, oh, I can't sleep because of the pressure change. But for winter sports, uh, I know a lot of Mongolians know how to ice skate. I don't know how that translates to figure skating. Curling isn't a really big sport either here. There's also like the cross-country triathlon. What's that word? Yeah, the triathlon. Yeah, thank you. Isn't also popular here because of guns, of course. So like the winter sports in the Olympics actually don't very much translate to anything Mongolians would be familiar with. 
That's interesting. And it's, uh, it's interesting. It was funny that you had mentioned like skating or, or at least like how, how in the States they have like, um, as you said, some of the Southern, uh, States, uh, people in the Southern States, they have to go up North, but they do have, say for instance, in Florida, they do have, uh, establishments and buildings where you can essentially practice like the maneuverability that you would need, say like, uh, on snowboarding or skiing because they have machines where you can practice your leg strength doing uh, the repetitive motions without having to go up and down the slopes. And in uh, uh, the Olympics, we have actually three competitors in speed skating who are from Florida as well. So that's pretty interesting. At least like with an ice skating rink, you know, you can just uh, have like a refrigerated room. But I was... It, it was just very interesting uh, because like with Mongolia, like I, w I would think that, as you said, you know, they don't really have like a whole lot of um, sports that would translate well. So I was thinking of something like maybe like a strongman competitions or say like the um, uh, the lumberjack games that we would see in European and uh, in Europe where, you know, it's mainly uh, giant feats of strength, things like that. And at least like for me, like I would think that that would be pretty big over there, mainly because from your description on uh, the body styles over there, they would sort of have that robust figure where, you know, they may come off as overweight, but it's all like muscle and it's very solid, you know? So like, I, I would think that they would do something along those lines. Yeah, it does make sense. I think it's just one of those either like cultural things that didn't really, um, transition well during you know mm. um its development in the past but yeah for strongman competitions you just have mongolian wrestling you have the archery which if you know anything about archery how much weight or pounds per pressure you have to put on that string to pull it back in full and then horseback mm. riding and then there's one more but um more of those feats of strength comes into like more of those um, friendly games of tug of war nothing more competitive than that really Oh, okay. So <laughs> when you mentioned Tug War, it's pretty funny because all of a sudden my mind just went to Squid Games and uh, their version of Tug of War. And I'm I'm, I'm just uh, thinking about that, like how everybody like sort of like uh, locks up. They'll have like a person on each side of the rope and how everybody would just like lean back at the same time. It's like using geometry to try to uh, win uh, the game of Tug of War. But um, yeah. So uh, that that's all that I really have uh, for uh, at least like talking in in regards to competition and things of that nature. Is there anything else that you wanted to bring up before we talk about the uh competition? That's the Crunchyroll Awards. Oh no, because I am very excited. I don't know. I go through the five stages of grief really quickly when <laughs> I was looking um at the Crunchyroll Awards because we talked about it in depth, like three weeks ago about the nominations but i'm ready to move on to the anime news awesome let's go ahead and go on to the news so description time codes you have been informed we are now talking about the crunchyroll awards and as we said it was released earlier this week on february 9th and the categories that we will be going over will be the best fight scene the best girl best boy best animation and finally anime of the year 
Now, Jay, uh, would you like to do the on? Oh, no, 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 no. Before we go forward, before uh, before we had talked about the uh, before we started the podcast, you had mentioned the punishment game. So, would you like to entail or at least describe the rules of the game for our listeners? And so, yes, so they can uh, appreciate our pain. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's not anything painful. It's just, again, a little wager between you and me. But it is essentially like what they do with the Oscars and bingo cards. Essentially, those that get the most categories right being a spot on, even though we do a who should win versus who will win, because, again, it's personal opinion versus how the voting body is actually going to pick the winners. So whoever totals the most correct answers that they chose that country world would pick out of the five has to do submit to a punishment that we'll do right now after we declare who got the most correct answers. Cause I don't remember what you picked. I don't remember. You don't remember what I picked. So it's going to be surprised to see which punishment game yes. we'll have to ensue. Yes. This is going to be very, very fun. And <laughs> I cannot wait. Oh my goodness. So, <clears throat> As we said before, the first category that we're going to be talking about is the best fight scene. Now, Jay, w w do you want to reveal this one, or should I? Oh, I can reveal this one, because this is probably one I'm not the most upset about. Okay, upset is a very strong word. This is the one that I'm like, I didn't even consider this as an option choice. So this is the best fights category where there were five nominees. I chose Yuji and Todo versus uh, Hanami from Juju Kaisen. What did you choose, Sam? So my personal pick was uh, Yuji and Nobra versus Esso and Kijitsu, the uh, blood poison right, brothers. Cool. So and the winner was your pick with the... S no, no, no. Oh. The winner was your pick. Um, really? Yuji and Aoi. Yeah, versus Hanami. Oh, interesting. I wrote down yours as the winner. Huh. Okay. <laughs> okay. Hold on. Fact checking. No, don't fact, fact, don't fact check me. No, I would. <laughs> but uh, the reason, yeah, so like you said uh, a couple of weeks ago, like as you while you were fact checking, you said that mm -hmm. the anime awards might go with the Naruto fight in Boruto. Yes. And I was... I was actually going to be very shocked because like he made some very good points that I didn't really consider. But the reason I wrote it off, because I don't think reviewers that are in the voting body, they grew up with Naruto, but they really don't care at all about Boruto. <laughs> like Naruto Shippuden was the end of the Naruto arc for most people or, you know, mm -hmm. those that were raised on Naruto. And even though that uh, the choreography in that fight was actually done by the same choreographer that did the fight scene from part one with naruto versus sasuke in the valley of the end so there's like similar patterns of the fighting in that so it was like okay i see that might be a reason but again like your pick was the esso brothers or i don't know what their name the they actually have a brother's yeah, name. yeah no 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 it, well I, I call them the uh blood poison, oh, brothers, blood poison because brothers, that was yeah. the because that was essentially their power but uh finishing up the check yep as I said, you were the winner for, oh. or at least your pick was the, your personal pick was the winner for this scene. Oh, wow. Okay. And, yeah, so uh, I remember, like, my choice that Crunchy's pick was going to be Naruto. And your personal pick was Yuji versus Hanami. But 
Was was that the same one that you thought that Crunchyroll was going to pick? Yeah, because I didn't talk about okay. this much in the yes. last episode because um, about I think we got sidetracked with the Naruto talk, which we did again as well. Mm-hmm. But I went back and watched this fight, and bro, it is three episodes long, and the build up <laughs> to Toto as you know, quote unquote rival friend mm-hmm. enemy because like he gets introduced and he just beats the snot out of Megumi. And then, yeah. again, during the Tokyo sports arc, or the uh, Tokyo um, versus the other school arc, like, they have to plan around Toto, and they send Ichidori or Yuji after him, and then he just mm-hmm. bashes Yuji's head in as, like, the first interaction, and then that escalates into them teaming up, and then Yuji <laughs> doing a chain combination of black fa- flashes for the first time. And he's like drooling when he's zoning out to activate that technique. And then they talk about how the that spiritual technique is like only been mastered before by one other sorcerer. And then Toto's clapping, which came out with the meme. And it was like yes. just so much fun rewatching it. I was like, oh, I'm glad I picked this because it lived up to the hype in my head. And then the fight that you chose, I was like, I don't even remember that fight. That was like a half an episode fight, and I didn't really care for it. So it was interesting that I thought originally your choice won. I was like, really? Good job, Sam. But you're <laughs> saying I won. All right, cool. Yes, so that's one win for Jay. And I'm, now that you mention it, like that fight with um, with Toto and Yuji and Hanami, it, that was a very long fight. But even though, it, like you said, it was three episodes long, it didn't feel like it was that long, right? It's not like back in the day with uh, DBZ or Naruto or even Bleach when fights would, oh my goodness, or even uh, more more recently, right? One Piece, where we had Luffy versus Katakuri. Dude, that fight took over 20 episodes. And you know that like more than 80% of that is just padding and filler so that the manga has like more space for the anime to try to uh, pick up from. So, even though it was only three episodes, it was nice, condensed, and it was very, very solid. But, as I said, you had one for this category, and we shall go on to the next category, which is Best Girl. And for this category, my personal pick was uh, Nobra and my choice that Crunchy was going to pick was Komi-san. Now, Jay, what was your pick for this category? Okay, now I'm really confused because I... Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I picked out okay. on... I, I thought... <laughs> Sorry, I'm just laughing because I thought oh, you okay. won this yeah, category yeah, yeah, as well because I remember you saying Nobra was like your choice and nope. I thought that's what... No, Nobra... Was your no, personal Nobra choice. was my personal choice. Right. Okay, yes. so... I, I, I thought that Komi-san was going to win uh, for Crunchy, but Nobra is my personal choice. Okay, because... Yes. Spoiler alert, Nobra, um, Nobra won Nobra, and my choice was also yeah for the Crunchyroll pick was going to be Comey. And I'm actually not surprised because I make the distinction of best girl and best boy as like they have to have some kind of elements of I want to protect this person while Nobra is just yeah. a badass. But when you look at her growth in her character, like getting more familiar with Yuji and Megume mm-hmm. and opening up, even though she doesn't have like a great 
presence in like her spiritual development i guess because like megumi activates his um uh domain expansion at the, on the last episode i would say like like with her uh in terms of like her spirit energy she's more technical like you said she may not have a lot of it but she can fine-tune it enough to do very specific things like that's where her strength is and we see that in uh that fight with the poison blood brothers right because like her resonance is like very diverse in how it can be applied but just meaning about like why i just say like oh she's not baby to me <laughs> she's like she's like mommy <laughs> i guess if you're going to put quotations around a word Big sister. Yeah, okay sure but yeah i also picked, oh, nice, son. yeah i also picked comey um oh going Ooh. back to my original point is that comey has a mm-hmm. uh communication disorder and i was like oh that's probably why people didn't really vibe with her character so much because you know best girl you kind of have to see yourself being in a potential relationship with i guess if you're going to connect mm-hmm. things but it is like a thing of difficulty to get over if you're not really accepting of like disorders or disabilities in that way so we both lost this category good i want to change the rules next time damn it i want to i want to get a half point for that but no like i would say like with this one this one really surprised me because i did not expect them to give nobra as much love as she deserved like you said she grew a lot and that that's why i chose her as my personal pick why i have a, a good appreciation for her but onwards and upwards to the best boy category. So, Jay, why don't you tell us a little bit about this All one? All right. So each category, which is, I think, a little odd that they only limit their nominations to five for each category. Um, so mm-hmm. for best boy, the winner is – or the – okay, so – Oh, yeah, so uh, my pick was the winner, but it's Boji from Ranking of Kings. Did you Who did you pick mm-hmm. for winner? So Boji was my personal, but I thought that Crunchy's pick was going to be Miyamura from uh, Horimiya. Oh, right, so yeah. So I lost this okay. one. Understandable, yeah, because I commented on that time that he, best mm-hmm. girl and best boy usually have like a pairing. So usually if best mm-hmm. boy wins, then the best girl needs to be nominated but she uh i forgot her name in the hori oh hori of course um hori wasn't nominated for best girl so since she didn't get nominated he wasn't going to win was my reasoning for leaving him off my uh, list um but okay right, cool so yeah best boy went to boji from ranking of kings so that's another check in the box for me right yep okay. that's two for you jay right, sweet, sweet, sweet. now we're coming up to the category that makes me angry <laughs> but i'll let you take that <laughs> Oh, best animation? Okay. So, for the best animation, I chose that uh, Crunchy was going to pick the Demon Slayer Mugen Train uh, arc. And Jay, what was your pick again uh, that that you thought that Crunchy was going to pick? Yeah, I thought they were going to pick Moshoku Tensei, Jobless Reincarnation, but you Mm -hmm. won, which I didn't know that was your pick until just now. But so like um again like with, with this one like uh that was what i thought that crunchy was going to choose and that that's where i went with my personal one is mishoku tensei pretty much probably for the same reasons that you chose mishoku tensei but yeah so mishoku tensei yeah. was created from whole cloth from a new studio called studio bind mm. and i think it's a thing of 
there is a okay <laughs> you see now i'm breathing to try to calm down my anger from the stages of grief but it is a thing of studio yafotable has always been a high budget studio creating some of the most yeah. beautiful animation there is and i was not captured or enraptured by the animation and the movement train arc because it was the Mugen train arc, which we've already seen. Yes. So we don't cover best movies um, with our little back and forth, but Mugen train also won best movie of the year, also won five other categories, and the Mugen train movie won three awards. So it's such an odd <laughs> thing. So, but, so for the same material... It won eight mm -hmm. awards out of the 26 awards that the Crunchyroll gives out uh, annually, of course. And that's such yeah. a bizarre thing that I was like, I had to take a deep breath because, yes, it's done by Studio uh, Ufotable, studio but the only fight that, the only part of that, uh, uh, the movie that stands out that they would show is the fight between Rengoku and Akaza, uh, the upper third demon. Yeah, the, the, the warrior monk demon. Yeah, <laughs> and then immediately as the Crunchyroll Awards came out, the previous weekend, there was the um, Tengen, every, every, the Demon Slayer boys versus the upper six yes. demon, which far outpaces the Red Goku. Akaza. It surpasses all of them, like even like episode nineteen, yeah. even Rengoku. Right. It's bro, it's it's the new staple. Just like all the insanity that goes on, and it's like this should be in a movie. Why is this not in a movie? Right. So it immediately, well, for this most recent fight in Demon Slayer, it's going to definitely get a nomination for next year's Crunchyroll Awards. And I was so impressed oh, yeah. with like how it was animated. I was so curious about how much the episode cost. And the only statistics I found about the episode was that the background art was done by a Vietnamese animation studio, which cost really? $80,000 just for background art alone. So Seriously? Yeah, and oh, that is damn. far. Most anime episodes range around like um, 1500 uh, wait, 1500000 an episode. So that means half of their normal budget might have went towards background art and then added on to the fight scene choreography <laughs> and the voice acting oh my and everything else is scoring i'm like bro they probably spent quarter of a million or three hundred thousand on this one episode and it bro, shows they are here for it There's, they are putting their impression out there and i have to say like especially like the cuts at the end of these last three episodes mm -hmm. I was like always nail biting it on the edge of my seat and I loved it and I hated it because they know what you're doing. They know what they're doing. They know how to hook you in for the next episode. Yeah. For cliffhangers, and, it's very artfully done. Yeah. And as you said, like having uh Mugen train win literally the weekend after they drop something that's, you know, makes Mugen Train seem like it's uh, basically drawn by a five-year-old. It kind of puts you, uh, throws a slap in your face, especially when there's 
other works in the same category nominated, like Mashoku Tensei or Vivi Florite's I Song. Right, because Vivi I Song was my personal pick, but I thought the Crunchyroll Awards would have went with Mashoku Tensei because of one, Mm -hmm. it was a first production by this new studio, and I've said it before, like, it's water dynamics, how they animate water is, like, rivaling to David Productions with, like, JoJo's, how they, like, animate like the fluidity right yeah exactly so i'm just not upset i think i'm i think i got it all (laughs) out sam so thank you for being my therapist right now but yes this is a category that went to you so good all right oh well no yeah 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 it it did go to me and so hopefully with this one oh that's something we have to think about is like uh tiebreakers if we ever uh run into tiebreakers but that's that's something that we can run into if we run into it. The next and last category that we have are the anime of the year. Now, for this one, I chose that Crunchy was going to pick Jujutsu Kaisen just because, as you said before, with Attack on Titan and with Jujutsu Kaisen, the way that their seasons and their cores were staggered it seemed like they were going to uh, get uh, multiple awards, uh, even though they had won the previous year. And from what we have talked about, uh, you know, with the character development, the fight scenes, uh, things like that, I thought that Jujutsu Kaisen was going to be a sure-in. Uh, Jay, what was your pick uh, that Crunchyroll was going to choose? Yeah, so this is a thing that really shook up the Crunchyroll Awards this year. So... Again, like, Crutchy World Awards is just in its six years of um, existence right now. So there's been some changes over the past couple of years, like, getting, like, a good solid base. Because, like, previously they had awards like Best Continuing Series, Most Heartwarming Scene, Best CGI. And then, oh, side note, that Aaron Yeager won for Best Antagonist, which sent me into a drinking spiral, (laughs) spiral if I was a drinker. But yeah, that's also a category that changed from hero and villain. I would just say real real quick, Jay, real real quick before I forget, I would just say, did you say that you would, would you have say that you would have liked to rage at that moment? I I know I raged already, but um, keeping <laughs> control for the podcast. But yeah, it is a category yes. that was originally like heroes and villains, and then best hero and villain of the year, and then became protagonist and antagonist. And again, it's kind of indicative of the nomination body not actually knowing, or maybe just giving this award to Aaron Yeager for obvious reasons of how well Ishiyama has written him and the turn of his character just to give him an award for, you know, um, fictional reasons, I guess. But Aaron Yeager is not the antagonist of the story of Attack on Titan. He's still the protagonist. It doesn't change. He may be a villain now, but he's still the hero. I mean, he he may be a villain, but he's still the protagonist. But anyways, back to the main topic. I chose Attack on Titan. That's why I was going into the Aaron Yeager thing. But I chose Attack on Titan Uh, uh, Cores 1 for the winner that Crunchyroll would have picked. And drumroll, the Crunchyroll pick was Attack on Titan for season part one or core one, as Jay had said. And Jay, what was your insight for their choice in this category? Yeah. It, Why did you think that they were going to go with this? Yeah, choice? it's very odd because of now they set the precedence 
that 12 episodes can outrule 24, 26 episodes of an anime. And that kind of sucks. And, you know, I had the personal choice that they should choose Juju Kaisen, but that would also mean awarding it for two years being the best anime. And that literally can't happen because that's not how awards work. <laughs> we can't say that. You can't say it's best for two years running. So um, there is this option that they had was to not put Attack on Titan on the list, not put Jujukaisen on the list, and give the acknowledgement and recognition to other anime because To Your Eternity didn't get many nominations. Uh, Odd Taxi, which is probably a lot of uh, reviewers' personal favorites of the year, as well as like 86. Uh, Odd Taxi got a couple of awards, though. Uh, um, they got two. Yeah, yeah. They got yeah, several yeah, they nominations got and then two awards, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, like, giving it to best anime is, like, really high praise and really puts yeah. people's, uh, you know, uh, eyes on it. Same thing with, like, Clink Lick or Link Click, um, yes. as well as, like, a Chinese production, which, again, is burging into the anime scene with a lot of more Chinese animes uh, produced by Billy Billy. But anyways, um, <laughs> it's they could have went the route of not putting both these animes on the list and giving more spotlight to other animes, but then they would have got a lot of backlash of leaving them off the list. So I think it was one of those balancing acts that they chose the lesser of two evils <laughs> to go with to say mm-hmm. that, Oh, we're going to nominate the same anime we've already nominated and also say that 12 episodes, as long as you have good 12 episodes, no matter how garbage the ending might be, <laughs> you know, tell you, it might end up with like, it was all a dream or, Aaron was playing no, a video don't say game, that. or like, <laughs> it literally could pull a Darling and the Franks ending with like just bizarre thing of, oh well, this doesn't make any sense now, and it's now my worst anime of all time because it was so good. But as long as you have a good twelve episodes, okay, you could be anime of the year. But yeah, it's a very um, prickly situation that they put the, you know, the whole anime community in now. So. I'm glad I won this category, but you have any thoughts about it, Sam? I would say, it, as you said, the Crunchyroll Awards are still young. This is this was their fifth year, and they're still workshopping a whole lot. As you mentioned earlier, there was a whole bunch of other categories that they wanted to do to uh, showcase a lot of what makes anime anime. You know, they would have like the most surprising scenes, them or um, they probably uh, you know trying to highlight and support tropes that you only see in anime. As you said, the best girl and the best boy uh, awards. That's only something that you would see in the anime category or in the genre of anime. And with the way that anime is released, it's very weird. So them navigating uh, the waters and trying to figure out what presence that they want to have in the community it's still being workshopped and as we said before with the Crunchyroll awards it's i would say it's probably akin to say nickelodeon's teen choice awards in the sense that there's not really a an official body that uh combs over anime like this and even though Crunchyroll is sort of the first entity to do that, it's still very much like Nickelodeon, where it's like it's for fans by fans, right? 
So it's trying to do the same thing that Emmys do while being uh, on the same standing as the silver screen or fans' uh, uh, bodies would do. So it's a fun thing, and I, I guess like it once it start, once they realize what they need to do, how they need to focus on it moving forward, there it, it can probably it can probably be considered more rigorous or more tasteful and a sort sort of like a or where Crunchyroll where the Crunchyroll awards can be viewed as more of a tasteful critics view on the anime genre it's just not going to be now or within the next few years because they're still trying to fine-tune their palette so to speak so now that we've gone through all the categories we can go through the tallies. I had gotten one category in our pass-fail competition. However, Jay, you have won three of these categories. So, congratulations. You are the first winner of the pass-fail Crunchyroll Award categories. And now it's time for you to give me my punishment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, so nah. can you share what your punishment for me was going to be? So my punishment for you, it was going to be something that was specific to this episode. I was going to have you say the following phrase. There are things out there you don't need to know about whenever we mention Haru's water gun. Because oh, it gives me such a men in black vibe. Mm -hmm. And that line is a big line from the men in black franchise. Gotcha. So I thought it would have been a funny thing. Uh, for you to, you know, like, I would be like, you know, like, what are your thoughts on the water gun? And then, you know, just have you say that. But, okay. um... Gotcha, yeah. That, 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 that was that was my, uh, sort of softball punishment. But, Jay, now now I'm interested. What What is your punishment for me that I have to do for our listeners? Okay. Here? Yeah, so <laughs> I've talked to you about this before, that I'm getting a little bit more into social media, because... I'm feeling that age gap between me and my students in secondary school. So I've been on TikTok yeah. and I wanted you to participate in this TikTok meme that I saw recently. And I was like, oh, and I did it myself. And I was like, that's such an interesting uh, voice acting, uh, I guess, technique that I didn't know. Okay. Some, I followed the trend down to its actual roots and got educated on it and why a certain um, performance and voice acting can be done this way. So mm -hmm. it's a two-step process where you're going to say the letter O, and then oh, okay. yeah, I'm going to give you the step. So first step, you're going to say okay. the letter O very loudly, or you know, just mm -hmm. normal speak. I guess this volume is good. So step one, say the letter O, and then second step is to bite your lower lip and then say O again. <laughs> okay, so O. Oh, I, I just bit my lip that second time. It, it feels so weird. Hold, let me try it one more time. Okay, so regular saying O. O. Now I'm going to bite my lip. O. Oh, my, I come out muffled. So, like, is the point of the exercise is, like, it's supposed to be clear yeah. as the first time? Or no, no? The, so it's a very weird trick that a lot of... um actors and uh, actresses do in voice acting to kind of make that 
see if I do it, it's going to sound weird because you're going to get what I was trying to go for, but then it defeats the point of you doing it. But it's the <laughs> something of a like if you do it properly, it sounds like a sexual moan. <laughs> and it's very odd that that's. I was about to. I was about to say it's like next time I I, I see a girl, I'm gonna be like, hey girl. Maybe go. Oh, yeah, exactly. So it's a like, so doing it properly. It sounds a little bit like that, but maybe I sound correct, more correct, because I was watching a lot of other voice actors do it. I was like, oh, uh, be careful okay. now. Be careful now. We 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 we, do, we want our uh, audiences to stay focused so that they can listen to the rest of the podcast. We can't just have. We just can't have you serenade mm -hmm, them. Yeah. Okay, Jay. We have to use your powers for okay, good. Well, I'll be serenading a little bit at the end of this episode, but. <laughs> Yeah, so that was the 2020 Crunchyroll winners. Uh, very small punishment game, and we'll probably follow this up next year. Probably do a probably a larger body for the category, so like you get a fairer shot, and maybe get delve a little bit maybe into the voice actor categories because there's over, sorry, there's over eight voice acting categories out of the 26 awards. Yeah, I saw. And it's like wow, that's a yeah. lot for the um, mm -hmm. you know, to give credit to that Crunchyroll is like spotlighting their voice actors but yeah for the totals it was juju kaisen had seven wins the mugen train arc for the anime of demon slayer had five attack on titan had five moving mugen train the movie had three and then odd taxi had two so that basically wraps up our talks about the crunchyroll awards for another year but sam we have a anime to talk about now yes we have an anime about adolescents fish and possibly aliens so, again, description, time codes. We are now going to be talking about Suritama. And, Jay, this was your pick once again. <laughs> yeah, right. How have you heard about this? How have you heard about this anime? Or was this your first time hearing it? Uh, this was, like, going through the list of 2012 animes, my first time looking at it. Because the one thing that really caught my eye, because you and me watched Sunny Boy um, mm -hmm. last year, yes, and yes. the artistic style or the color design very much reminded me of that because there's this very oversaturation of pastoral colors in the anime. I was like, oh, I wonder if it was done by the same person that did Sunny Boy. Nope. It is completely unrelated and it appears in a lot of other animes that oversaturation of colors or pastoral world of colors like in um, Space Dandy. I see it as well as um, there's another anime on my mind, but I can't remember it but yeah this is what was it uh bunny hop or no uh, no no that was more water color. yeah that was purely watercolors yeah. um, for the aesthetic yeah. but this is like an oversaturation of colors and this uh -huh. is a 2012 anime that is sci-fi and comedy so that kind of gives you a way about the alien aspect of it but <laughs> it is also done by studio a1 pictures uh, we're actually going to do a studio spotlight. It's the other studio that we're doing a spotlight for because we're going to be talking about Sword Art Online later this year, as well as From the New World, as well as Space Brothers. And we've talked about A1 Pictures before with Blue Exorcist, mm -hmm. Fractal, and Onohana most recently. So this is a original work with 12 episodes, and it is available on Crunchyroll, kind of. So Sam, do you want to give the little disclaimer about that? Yes, so with this anime, it's region locked, unless you have a hundo that you can drop on Amazon and buy the box set. But uh, like like I said, this is region locked, so if you you would just have to use your VPN uh, in order to watch it off of Crunchyroll. 
And it was interesting that you had mentioned that it was an original source because when I was watching it, it feels very, very well thought out. And I'm not saying that a lot of originals don't feel thought out. Oh, well, I mean, they really don't because I'm trying to think um, the last original that I saw that felt this thought out was uh, Vivi Eyes Florix. Oh, no, 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 no. That, that, that was an original. Um, I can't remember. There, there was only one other original anime that felt very thought out. Like it felt like that there was a work that this was based off of. And I didn't realize that this was an original work. So kudos to them uh to a1 pictures for providing us with this anime yeah it's really hard because like always the standards of original works is like goro Lagan and code Geass and cowboy bebop and but you know original works are frequent enough that you can like say like they're popular enough because you know they're giving a lot of anime studios are giving people a lot of chances to tell a story from no backing of the manga or light novel scene. But yeah, for this about an anime about fishing, it was very interesting that A1 Pictures greenlighted this. And to mention when it premiered was on April 13th, 2012. So we're a little bit ahead of the 10 year anniversary, but that's okay. So Mm -hmm. the story centers on a quartet, I guess that's what you call a group of four outside of music <laughs> of of high school boys yeah and also within music but yeah of high school boys who are tasked by fellow students uh claiming to be an alien to save the world from a mysterious threat in the deep ocean and this anime does fall into a category that i think does exist about japan producing anime to promote tourism so the mm-hmm. domestic tourism scene is way larger than the international tourism scene in japan because a lot of japanese companies have this very rigorous vacation schedule where you can't really afford three to four days just traveling abroad to somewhere so this is set in the location of inoshida inoshida or oh sorry inoshima inoshima Inoshima. Inoshima island and it's off the coast of uh, tokyo actually so is somewhat of a well-known island that you can visit for like its sandy beach and fishing spots. And again, talking about fishing a little bit more, but it's also known for its like Buddhist shrines. That's a pilgrimage somewhat for Buddhist monks, as well as the Iwataya caves, as well as the Samuel Cocking Gardens, which as as well as the sea candle, you, which you, you said you said talking or cocking, cocking like co like a rooster cocking. Um, oh, which okay. is very odd because it does come up actually later in the series. I did watch all 12 episodes because I was kind of enamored enough to watch all 12. Mm-hmm. So it does come up again. And this island also appears in a couple other other animes like Radical or the Bunny Girl Senpai, that anime, as well as Elf and Maid. So it's really interesting that this series is somewhat promoting domestic tourism because it's so slow these first three episodes it's like has a lot of attention to detail to the location a lot to the practice and craftsmanship of uh fishing and then add on top oh there's an alien add on top oh (laughs) there might be a alien threat to our planet and these boys are the last line of defense there's also an Indian kid that's working for a secret organization. So it has these vibes of fully coolly to me of adding a 
having a core, slow-paced or deliberately paced mm -hmm. adolescent stories about people trying to overcome adolescence or their own individual um, problems, and then adding on top a external threat, extraterrestrial threat as well. So I found it very endearing for the first episode where dude shows up, says I'm an alien. He says, I'm going to live at your house. <laughs> I'm going to show up to class. Grandma's just like, okay. Right? <laughs> I'm going to show up to class. I'm going to shoot you in the face with the water gun and uh, men in black norarize you. Yeah, and, 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 men, and men in black style. Yeah, it's just like, um, it's, it's like, here, hold this. Right. It's like, what? Yeah. Go to and a fish he, shop. He, he, yeah, go to a fish shop. Norarize that guy. Take them out to fishing, and then come back home and say. And at the very end of the first episode, there's this line about he said like we needed to save the world, and we actually did. <laughs> so it's like such a <laughs> weird way to end the first episode, but it immediately hooks you into the premise. So what I got from you know why I picked this was like the feel that it might be related to Sunny Boy, but I stayed for such a wholesome story about adolescents and people that mm. need to find friends in their lives. But Sam, what about this? Tell me, how are you feeling? I would say, like for me, it feels like Penguin Drum Light. And uh, in the sense that, you know, you are following this character and then something fantastical happens and you see that like the fantastical person's trying to get you to accomplish this one thing and as you mentioned the indian boy uh the indian man right this guy is a man he is 20 years old and he finessed his way into what are they in middle school and high school P pretty much playing 21 jump street so that he can follow the main character and the alien and he hap and he always walks around with this duck named tapioca and nobody thinks it's weird. I mean, if anything, all 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 the people want to pet the duck. The only one that doesn't want anything to do with the duck is the alien. It, it's it's like cats and dogs, and he's the cat trying to get away from the dog, which is the duck. <laughs> and um, no, just to go back to my point, like it feels like very penguin drum light in the sense that. You know, like you see, you sense that there is a bigger picture, but because of that slow pace, like you have a proper build up to it, you get a sense of the characters, who they are, and you feel very grounded in their problems. For instance, the character Natsuki that's helping uh, our main character Yuki and the alien Haru in fishing because Haru, the alien, he wants to fish, but apparently he needs yuki to fish for some reason it seems like they're going to explain that later and ha yuki doesn't know how to fish but natsuki used to be a competitor fisherman and we learn like he has a backstory something happened with his mom we don't really know and his dad is taking care of him and his sister his dad's trying to see other people and he doesn't feel some he feels some sort of way about that and like us following Yuki and Haru, like we have a sense of like, oh, like this guy's going through emotional uh, uh, things and we have to try and help him to overcome those so that we can have Yuki learn how to fish. And, you know, like it gives you a sense of um, these characters uh, that they're real, so to speak, and 
it makes you want to root for them. And I also like the visuals. So like with Yuki, it, he is social anxiety personified, right? He uh, has a hard time introducing himself to class, even though he's had to move around several times because his grandmother's always changing jobs. And every time he gets into a situation that he doesn't know what to do, he just flips out. So whereas Komi-san, she's so anxious that she can't speak, he's sort of anxious as well, but he expresses it physically and he's still embarrassed about it. Like his face starts to scrunch up and he starts having an angry face. So like if somebody is like, hey, why are you doing this thing? And he doesn't know, like his face just scrums up. He's like, and so just makes the situation that more awkward. And he makes the other person more aggravated because his face is all scrunched up. But the one thing that I really like is whenever he is deep in anxiety, the anime makes it seem like he's drowning. And whenever uh, he's fishing or whenever Haru comes on the scene to pull him out of himself, we see him being pulled out of the water of his anxiety and he gets to be himself without being held back. And I really, really appreciate that, that artistic uh, depiction in regards to that. It's just very, very well. And I wanted to keep watching it too. I think I was on episode six or seven before I had to stop because of other things going on uh, in my life. But Jay, I mean, do do you have any thoughts? I mean, you you've you've seen the entire premise of the show. Like, d does it seem like the show wraps up very well? Is it as well thought out as it seemed to be? Like, does it have a very satisfying ending? Uh, I want to save that comment for later. I'll probably put this okay. on. <laughs> I mean, as I would say right <laughs> now, it's on my top ten list for the year, even though we've only covered like five anime so far. <laughs> But, you know, there's yeah. some anime I'm not even going to think about putting on my list. But just keeping to the three-episode ruling that we have because of that's mm -hmm. the non-spoiler uh, aspect of the show. Just because it yes. sets up everything. And just to talk a little bit more, because I like the same thing that you brought up about the visual, visual uh, representation of his social anxiety manifesting. And it's really hard to really capture that in any believable way to mm. convey to the audience because not everyone has social anxiety it's not like it's not terribly commonplace but it does feel like drowning sometimes and even when you're in a situation with you're in a crowded room or you're you're in a crowded room or in a crowd by yourself you do feel like you can be underwater you know that additional pressure on your chest it can be hard to breathe but like you said like the other manifestation of his anxiety is like scrunching up his face because he doesn't really know how to physically cope because all he has is his grandmother his parents are out of the scene for some unknown reason for right mm -hmm. now and he's been a transfer student for most of his high school life and his like what you said like he he hasn't nailed down the introduction parts to being around other people he's still a flawed character and all the other characters are flawed haru is an alien which they don't they don't really shy away from they just like he gets a neuralizer and he's like oh yeah i'm an alien <laughs> like everywhere he goes i'm an alien he introduces himself to the class it, that he transferred it's so to funny like 
he's he's so open about it, right? But like people just act like he's still in that Chunbio phase, where it's like, okay, cool kid, yeah, yeah, you're an alien. We're we're gonna play along, and you know, like they're they're treating him as though like he he's just pretending, and it's it's uh not not necessarily comedy of errors, but it's sort of like that mishmash of information that uh adds to the comedic aspects right of this franchise. yeah because there's like he even comes he shows up to class with a fishing pole because he only cares about one thing and also he's being tracked by a government agent which i think is the only you know really notable downside to the series is that they take an indian character and give him a turban <laughs> and that's all they give him like they don't give him a you know, a heavy um, Hindu or um, sorry, I'm thinking about regional dialects for English or Japanese speakers, um, but they live in India. But anyways, yeah, they give him even even his name. It's his name is super Japanese. And we, we don't know if he was born in Japan or anything else like that. Or it could have been uh, the thing where, you know, people do like move to the country and they adopt a name that's easier for the locals to understand. But still, like you said, we don't see any mannerisms for him to be Indian other than the turban. So I don't know if that's what stereotypical or. Yeah, it's leaning into be, a stereotype uh, that, you know, you just put on a garment and that just makes you an ethnic minority or part of the group yeah because again like i was thinking that this would be a parallel to sunny boy where they actually do have an indian character but you know his facial structure is representative of indian people or from uh, mm. that subcontinent area and then he also has a slight indian accent on his japanese but here you know for 2012 anime it's like not as I guess it's forgivable, but it kind of feels weird for A1 Pictures to do it because they're so minded of different stories and different cultural groups. Mm. So it, it might have been just an oversight, but it's just one of those things to note when you're talking about, oh, that's a weird thing to have. But the main... I, I, yeah, I would yeah. say just, uh, just, just, just one thing about the, the race thing, and, and I'm sorry, uh, but I, I think like it's, at least like nowadays, it's sort of hard to toe the line because i know for the longest you know representation does matter right but you don't want to portray anybody to a stereotype and i know that over here in the states when like for the longest it was at least for people of color to see them like on the big screens or in any uh any wide media like it was good to to see them but then after a while you saw that you know they're being stereotyped right and so, like, just having a black person or a person of color as a character, right, and not leaning to any stereotypes makes them more realistic or as a person. So, I guess, like, it, you know, again, just, just to say, like, trying to have somebody or uh, represent somebody of a certain uh, ethnicity, it, it definitely is a balancing act because you don't want to come off as stereotypical, but you don't want to completely neglect that culture as well. You know, you want to properly represent them. So it, it's it's a very hard thing to do. Yeah, for sure. And then I guess the other closing thing that I want to talk about before we get to our mm -hmm. decision whether to resurrect or rebury the series is that... Sam, did you ever watch those um, Digimon Adventure films that came out in 2015 called Try? 
Oh, I wanted to. Now that you mention it, the art style is very, very similar. I was only able to see a few episodes of it because when Try came out, they put the episodes out like they were OVAs. It was very sporadic in nature. Um, but now that you mention it, I kind of want to go back and finish it yeah. now. Okay, good. Yeah, because, of course, yeah, I mean, as you said, the art style is similar. It's because there's person who's responsible for the character design for both this and Digimon Adventure Try. So just to add on, like, okay. some prestige to it, apart from just being an A1 Pictures production. But overall, I'm going to give it a resurrect meaning that yes i well i watched all 12 episodes so obviously i'm going to resurrect it <laughs> but it's just that fishing anime does occupy a space of such a niche genre that you don't really see it much i can't even really name another uh fishing anime that's not like torco which is a fantasy world of fishing or has parts of fishing that are fantasy and then back in the 80s it was more popular i mean we talked a couple times about the food genre being like the niche genre as well but yeah. fishing man sports that aren't basketball or volleyball or skating don't really get enough acclaim or even yeah. spotlight there's like a low profile to fishing same thing like with chess as well ping pong as well but we've seen enough good anime like that can can say oh if you're talking about ping pong it's the ping pong animation then um skating you have kind of air gear and then um ice skating you can Skate go to like um, yorio and ice but i don't know other better examples if there are any but yeah since it has such a low pile um, profile for a fishing anime it has like really good characters that you relate to and fall in love with as well as a good art style to really like keep you visually entertained i'm going to say it's a resurrect but how about you I, I did, as you said, uh, for it to be a sports anime in regards to fishing, it's something as low kinetic as fishing. Whereas, even if you do something low kinetic like chess or a board game, you can do an imaginary mental space, right? Similar to what they did to Yu-Gi-Oh! To get you involved in what they're thinking about. Or in Hikaru no Go, where it's mainly about strategy trying to fight somebody else. Whereas, in fishing... It's very hard to do because, you know, it's like you're going against uh, a fish just hoping that they're going to, like, swing by or something else like that. I mean, there's obviously more, but they were able to animate it in such a way to where it was very dynamic and um, it was a lot of action and it also got you invested. And even with a shop talk, with a Inoshima bow, <laughs> it, uh, it was very, very very well done and i wanted to finish watching it too so this is my uh resurrect as well jay all right wonderful that's a double resurrect i mean even in these episodes there's like a three minute long like for you said shop talk about how to actually properly thread a lore when it's baitless i was like oh wow i'm learning let me take some notes about this I, again it's <laughs> always a good anime if it gets you interested like just piques your interest enough to say oh maybe i should check out a little bit more and see like because I got into volleyball that way from high cue, but yeah, that's always good when a sports anime once you gets you and you know interested enough to actually practice it or find out more for yourself. But that's our ten year review, or at least short of our ten year review about uh, Tetsu or Tetsu Tama. Tsuri Tama. Yeah, it's always the tsunami sound for yes. me. But yeah, it oh <laughs> it also translates to fishing ball, which also is a very really? interesting translation for that. But yeah. And next week is finally your pick, Sam. Yes. So 
description time codes. Next week, we will be going over to the dark side of superheroism in my anime pick, which is the 2012 series Zetman. And I am excited for it. I'm excited about it. And I can't wait to wait to hear your reactions to it, Jay. <laughs> yeah, because it's my first time knowing about it. I thought it like I've seen the name before and I just thought it was a Ultraman ripoff, which doesn't mm-hmm. seem to be the case because I've only watched the PV so far. But it seems to be hardcore. It seems to be rated R. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And uh, we will be talking more about that next episode. And those are our final thoughts on the uh, 2012 anime Tama. And Jay, what have you got for us today? All right. So as I've been saying a couple times, I've become somewhat of a TikTok obsessive. Just again, trying to really relate to the youth as I <laughs> feel like an old man <laughs> into my 30s. But yeah, I'm going to... Yeah, I'm going to try my best to do some she shanty from called Wellerman, which was written by Nathan Evans, which I'm giving him proper credit. So I'm going to try this my best since I've just heard it a couple of times on TikTok. So it goes. There once was a ship that put to sea. The name of the ship was the Billy of Tea. The winds blew up her bow dip down. Blow my bullies, boys, blow. Soon may the weathermen come to bring us sugar, tea, and rum. One day when the tugging is done, we'll take our leave and go. 